You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Colors Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. As always, we've got a lot to discuss on this edition of the Hoist the Colors Podcast. East Carolina keeps it rolling on the diamond. They have now won 14 games in a row. It's uh, it's quite a streak the Pirates have put together. And man, it's they found so many ways to win during the streak. That's the most amazing part about it. And it's been really fun to watch, fun to cover, fun to write about, basically the complete opposite of the, the first half of the season where it was such a roller coaster so such ups and downs and we all kind of kept saying all right ECU just needs to hold their head above water and then they'll figure it out in the second half of the year well when you kept going through those struggles eventually you can only say that so much but this team ended up doing that and, and did it as Cliff Goblin has said due to its culture which provides such a backbone for this program and we've seen it come to light here the second half of the season. So we get a lot to discuss on this Hoist of Colors podcast. The theme of the show surrounds, at least to begin with, the possibility that we could see East Carolina potentially host a regional. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on how realistic that is. Is it even a possibility? Should we even be talking about it? What does ECU have to do to even be in the consideration? We'll also answer a ton of questions on Twitter. To close the show, we are going to talk with Buckwild17 in the latest Port of Call segment on Hoist the Colors. For you guys who are not familiar, we've been doing this Port of Call segment for a few months now on the Hoist the Colors podcast. It's when we uh, bring in some longtime subscribers, posters on the Hoist the Colors message board to talk with us, introduce them. If you're not familiar with Buckwild, well, I have not done the interview yet. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, not sure how it's going to go. Buckwild, one of our more interesting posters, not afraid to throw his opinion out there, not afraid to post some controversial stuff, some crazy stuff. So we'll talk with Buckwild, kind of get a feel for his personality, ask him our usual questions, maybe ask him a couple off-the-wall questions as well to close the show. So East Carolina, on Saturday, closed the regular season finale with its first walk-off win of the 2022 campaign. It's, it was pretty fitting to close it, as the Pirates have not had a walk-off win all season long. And great ECU teams having covered this program for a while now, having grown up watching the program. Great ECU teams, great ECU baseball teams just know how to win. They have a lot of walk-off victories, really. And for whatever reason, this team just had not had that. Maybe dating back to the Bryant Second game of the season, the Bryant series, when Justin Wilcoxon appeared to hit a walk-off home run, that was taken away. And it just seemed like, really, until this winning streak, the Pirates, when they got down and had some late-inning adversity, they just kind of had trouble overcoming that for some dramatic wins. Well, that's a thing of the past, and that's been a thing of the past for a few weeks now. 
and they kind of capped the winning streak, not that it's over, but capped the regular season winning streak in a fashion that was pretty fitting for how this thing has gone. And it was pretty awesome to see as Bryson Worrell, after a hustle double from Lane Hoover to begin the bottom of the 10th, grounds a roller between first and second. Second baseman picks it up, hesitates a little bit as the pitcher comes over to cover first base. And then Lane Hoover never stopped running from second base. He comes around third, beats the throw easily. Really, by the time the the pitcher at first base who was covering got the ball, Lane Hoover was already crossing home. Ball game. Pirates win it in in the 10th inning as they get their 20th win in conference play. 20-4. and Man, that is an amazing conference record. People can say the AAC is down. Uh, That's complete dominance. They've they've now gone 20-4, and and 20-8, and and 20-4 the last three years in conference play. Of course, in 2021, the conference went to eight-game series, which is why the extra number of games were played. But that is still a 60-16 and record over the last three years in regular season American Athletic Conference action. That is a phenomenal stat. No other way to put it. Just complete dominance by Cliff Goblin's club. They have clearly established themselves as the team to beat in the American. So 38-18, the final regular season tally. Again, Pirates were 24-18 and after losing to NC State. Back on April 26th, and they rattle off 14 in a row to go from really on the wrong side of the NCAA tournament bubble to now being in the potential host conversation. D1Baseball.com, I think the most well-respected college baseball site out there. Of course, Kendall Rogers, Aaron Fitt, Eric Sorensen do a great job with the site. You know, like any site, you're going to have some difference of opinions with, with some of those guys, but I think they're the best in the business. They've been doing this a long time. And they released their latest projections today. They they release a uh, projection basically every week, and this time of year, multiple times per week, of what they think the field of 64 will look like. And 16 teams, of course, will host the regionals, which consist of four team pods in a double elimination style bracket. And then those teams, you know, advance to the Super Regional. For those that don't follow college baseball, and the winner of the Super Regional best of three series goes to Omaha, where the eight teams compete in the College World Series. So, ECU has hosted the last three full seasons, looking to do it a fourth year in a row, something that really didn't seem like a possibility. So, how realistic is this? I've gotten this question a lot. We've gotten this question throughout the winning streak. Hey, if ECU wins out in the regular season, and they potentially win the conference tournament, can they host a regional? I've always said, and I still will maintain, that it's unlikely to happen. I will say there is a possibility And I think now that ECU has finished off this regular season winning streak, they are now in the discussion to do just that. But as the D1 baseball projection came out with today, they are still, I think, on the outside looking in. Really, the only way they get fair and legitimate consideration is if they win the American Athletic Conference tournament title. I don't necessarily think they have to sweep it, but obviously going 4-0 versus losing a game and coming out of the loser's bracket or or getting to the championship game or the semifinals and losing the game, it's not going to be as clean. But I think if you win the conference tournament championship, you dominate the regular season, you play the top 10 non-conference strength of schedule, I think you are you're you have 42 wins, which is a, a host-worthy number. Uh, you have all the makings of a host-worthy resume. The problem is the committee, they read all this stuff that D1 Baseball puts out. They read all this stuff Baseball America puts out. So almost in their mind, even though it shouldn't be this way, I wonder how many of them are really considering East Carolina as a host 
due to this late season streak that has kind of put them back into the picture. If you just took this resume for what it is today and you didn't have the 14-game streak and really it kind of looked this way the whole time, I think ECU would be more in the conversation. And right now they've made themselves be in the conversation by the way they're playing. Now, the big knock on East Carolina's resume, lack of quality wins, and it is a major knock. It is a problem when you compare it to the rest of the potential regional host. Look through what the other 16 projected hosts have on their resume in terms of quad one wins. East Carolina is lacking in that category. They are just two and seven quad one, one through 50 teams in the RPI, which is simply not a good number. For example, Georgia Southern, which is the projected 16 seed right now for the D1 baseball field, has a record of six and 11 versus quad one. Again, still not very good, but they also had the number 10 RPI. ECU right now sitting 25th in the RPI with a 2-7 quad one record. Now, the argument for, and this is why I think Georgia Southern is very much on the hosting bubble, Georgia Southern did not even win the regular season of the Sun Belt. And so, yeah, the Sun Belt is a good baseball league. They went 23-7, and but they did not win the regular season title in their particular league. Texas State did. So to me, Georgia Southern has to win the conference tournament they got to have a championship of some sort. If you're going to be in, in one of these leagues like ECU is in the American that's not really considered a baseball power despite their RPI being 10, I would just be shocked if Georgia Southern got a a regional hosting spot as a non-conference champion regardless of what their RPI is. So that's a potential team to watch for ECU. For example, if ECU wins a conference tournament, Georgia Southern loses it, then you know, perhaps they are on the outside looking in. Now, another team to watch in that scenario is Texas State, which has a lower RPI, but if they win the conference tournament along with the regular season of the Sun Belt with the 26 RPI, they could also get back into the hosting mix. So, you, it really, if you're ECU, you want somebody outside of those two teams in the Sun Belt to win the conference tournament title if you want ECU to host. Other teams still here in the mix. Oklahoma State is currently the 15th projected seed in the D1 baseball field. And Oklahoma State has an 18 RPI. They are 11-13 and 13 quad one, which, again, right around 500, 11 top 50 wins. ECU just two top 50 wins, which hurts the Pirates in that argument. Now, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State again, did not win their regular season title, but they play in the Big 12. They finished a game out of first place. They've got a pretty solid resume, so I can see where they could be a potential host. Uh, TCU currently the 14 seed in D1 baseball's bracket. Now, the crazy thing with TCU is they have an RPI of 34, which historically is not going to get you a hosting spot. They had a non-conference straight the schedule of 127, which quite frankly is pretty pathetic. Uh, and yet they are a projected host as of right now due to winning the regular season Big 12 championship. And again, Big 12, very good baseball conference. So, like, you see the different scenarios, numbers here that the committee is going to have to weigh, and usually they're going to favor a conference champion in a league like that, even with a lower RPI. Oregon, the 13 seed. By the way, TCU, 8-13, and 13, quad one. So, again, not great, but better than ECU. Oregon, 9-8, and eight, quad one, 19 RPI. They are 35 and 21 overall, 18 and 12 in the Pac-12. They are the projected 13 seed in 
the pat or uh, in the D1 baseball field as they did not win the Pac-12 championship, but D1 baseball believes they are a hosting threat. Now Notre Dame is the projected 12 seed, Virginia the projected 11 seed, Auburn the 10, Southern Miss goes from not hosting to being the number nine seed in the most recent projections, which is interesting because all they did was sweep Middle Tennessee on the road. Now they jumped to 13 in the RPI from 20. They are 7-8 and eight versus Quad 1, 41-14 overall, 23-7 and seven in Conference USA. And so now being on top of the league in Conference USA, probably looking at a potential hosting spot now that they've kind of stored that up with a road sweep of Middle Tennessee State. But you still have some movement here, I think, for example, Arkansas is now not included as its top 16 host. Their RPI is now in the mid-30s. They played a pretty bad non-conference strength of schedule. Their non-conference strength of schedule is like 240 or something like that. I don't have it right in front of me. But they are the projected two seed in, in Oklahoma State right now. So depending on what happens in this conference tournament field, I still f- feel like you're going to have some movement here. And so if you're an East Carolina fan, of course, the Pirates, the only way they get really in this conversation is if they win the conference tournament, which the Pirates have never won the regular season and league title in tournament play in the same year under Cliff Goblin. So that is a goal for this postseason. But if you're outside of that, you want Georgia Southern and probably not Texas State to win the Sun Belt. Oklahoma State, TCU, you would ideally like them to lose pretty early in the Big 12 tournament. And then Oregon, for the first time in a, in a couple of years, you've got Oregon competing in the Pac-12 tournament, so you want to see them lose pretty early. And then the ACC, you've got several schools who will host. Uh, Virginia and Notre Dame, I guess, could technically lose out, although they seem to be pretty comfortably in as hosts. Notre Dame, though, lacking in number of wins overall, 33-13 and 13 with a 17 RPI, but they did go 16-11 and 11 in the ACC in a strong 12-6. and six. Uh, They went in a strong 12-6 and six in quad one. Virginia, another regional team in terms of being close to ECU that is looking like a host right now. The Cavaliers, despite losing a series at Louisville, stayed firm in the RPI at 15. They are 12-11, and 11, top 50, 38-15 overall, and 17-13 in the ACC. So you look at this, and you need some teams to falter. Primarily, TCU, Oklahoma State, Georgia Southern, Oregon, Maybe Notre Dame could slip out with a poor showing in the ACC, Virginia, you know, Auburn, Southern Miss. Those are the last nine projected teams in as far as host. You got some other host-worthy teams, like if Arkansas goes on a run in the SEC tournament, they could slip in. Again, we talked about Texas State. Gonzaga has been mentioned as a West Coast possibility. Oklahoma has been mentioned as a possibility. You know, maybe even uh, I'm surprised LSU was not – selected as a host, but they probably still got some work to do in the SEC tourney. So there's a lot of teams here fighting for host-worthy bids. The main thing ECU can do is they just have to win. If they win the conference tournament, the further they play into the weekend, the more they're going to be on the mind of the committee, the more they're going to be on the mind of D1 Baseball, Baseball America. And if they start getting listed as potential projected, projected hosts in these projections then all of a sudden the committee's going to be paying them more bonds. So the Pirates need to win games if they want to host. Now, the other argument of this is, 
does ECU really want to host? Let's say they sneak in as the 16th host. Well, then your regional is matched up with Tennessee. Tennessee is 49-7. and They are by far the best team in college baseball this year. The overwhelming favorite to win the College World Series. So if you sneak into the 16 host spot, yeah, you have the advantage of playing at home, but then more than likely you're going to be facing Tennessee if you win your own regional in Knoxville for the trip to go to Omaha. And I don't think that's the situation any team in college baseball wants to be in. You might be better off going to Maryland or Virginia Tech as a two seed, winning that regional, which is going to be tougher to do on the road, but then you could get a more favorable super regional matchup for whoever's tied to those regionals. Uh, of course. So, a lot to think about. Again, main thing ECU wants to do, win baseball games, take care of business. Again, it's not going to be easy. The rest of the American, not going to get in at large. They're all playing for the auto bid. ECU is going to be in as a two seed either way, it appears. You know, you don't want to go 0-2, maybe drop to a 3, but all of a sudden, if you go 4-0, and maybe you're a host. So, still a ton to play for starting Tuesday as the Pirates will open play against eight-seeded USF at approximately 1 o'clock. All right, let's dive into some of these questions on the uh, Twitter spheres. Asked uh, a number of you guys to submit the questions on Twitter. All right, Will wants to know, are you worried about any teams coming after Cliff Godwin this year? Yes and no. On one hand, I'm always worried about Cliff Godwin if I'm an ECU fan because he consistently wins. He's one of the more coveted coaches in the country. The other side of it is, I mean, at this point, it's going to be what I just said every year. So, like, I'm not even really worried about it. It's going to happen if Cliff gets the right offer. Like an LSU last year or an Ole Miss, I think more than likely he's gone. Uh, Ole Miss likely going to be in the tournament this year with their hot streak, so I don't think their job's going to come open unless Bianco ever retires. So I don't see that as a big threat. You know, South Carolina, I could see making a coaching change. They'll probably call Cliff, but I don't know if Cliff Godwin will take that job. So to me, it's all about the SEC, um, and, and you know, I just think LSU and Ole Miss, just from what I've heard, are the teams that really are going to pull him away from ECU. I don't think South Carolina is that team, but you never say never. Um, but yeah, worried, sure, but also like it just kind of is what it is at this point. Chris Melvin, actually, we'll stay on uh, we'll stay on baseball first. Uh, Mick wants to know D one projects us as uh, Virginia Tech a two-seed at Virginia Tech, and Oklahoma as the two at UVA. Seems that should be flipped if we are the AAC champ. Do you agree? And if not, where do you project us as a conference champ? Well, like I see what you're saying, and for sure, like historically, the the committee, ideally, if it works out, wants to pair the strongest or stronger two-seed with a weaker one-seed. So in theory, if UVA and Virginia Tech are regional possibilities for East Carolina East Carolina would go to the weaker one seed which would be Virginia in this case now the interesting thing about last year if you remember NC State was the strongest two they went to Louisiana Tech which was the weakest one the number 16 seed and ended up winning that regional and then of course beat Arkansas the number one seed in the super to make it Omaha so the committee will even send the strongest two on the road to the weakest one if it feels like that's what's most deserving. You know, I don't know if ECU will be the strongest two. Certainly, if they win the conference tournament championship and don't host, they'll be one of, if not the strongest two. So then do they go to a Georgia Southern, to a Texas State, 
outside of their region, so to speak, although Georgia Southern would probably still be in it, to face the weakest one. A lot of that depends on how many other teams in the region need somewhere to go. North Carolina is going to need somewhere to go. Wake Forest is going to need somewhere to go. NC State probably going to need somewhere to go, even though they're on the bubble. Clemson, Coastal Carolina, all these teams need somewhere to go, and they can't be paired with one of their own conference members. So, for example, Virginia can't host North Carolina, Wake Forest, or any of those teams in a regional. So ECU to Virginia or Virginia Tech makes a lot of sense because those are ACC teams, and the American is not an ACC member, clearly, so ECU can go to those those places, whereas UNC and Wake Forest and NC State cannot. So I, I think if ECU doesn't host, there's a good chance they end up at VT or UVA, and from there it just might depend upon like what teams are being sent where and how it all shakes out. All right, so we got another question here about C.J. Johnson. Chris asks, I saw on CJ's Instagram that he was in a team meeting. Should we expect him to return soon? Yeah, so CJ Johnson has been reinstated per team sources to the team, um, you know, in official capacity starting today for this team meeting. And really, I've heard it's almost on a probationary basis. I don't know if that's like the official terminology or what, but either way, the deal is if he messes up one time, he's likely gone. So he he's had some things in the past he's had to overcome, but he's been really good throughout this whole process. Talking to team sources, you know, he's met with some some players on the team leadership council. He's been in constant contact with the coaches, with the strength staff, kind of doing stuff on his own, and he's earned this final opportunity, and it is a final opportunity. He's got to prove, and he's got to win his way back into a starting job. Nothing's going to be handed to CJ. There's no doubt about that. He's got to earn everything he's given here. And so to me, I think it's the right decision. Certainly if he's earned his way back and done everything that's asked of him, you know, he, he he didn't transfer. He went through the punishment. He did the things he needed to do. Now he's got to go prove to his teammates and to his coaching staff that he can show up every single day, keep his head down, work his tail off, stay out of trouble. If he does those things, he could be an all-conference receiver. He could take this offense to the next level. If he doesn't, well, then the Pirates brought in Isaiah Winstead, they brought in Jarrett Garner, they brought in Jalen Johnson. They've got some younger receivers who have stepped up. So I don't think it's a situation where ECU needs C.J. Johnson. It's good to have him back for sure, but um, it'll be interesting to see how this summer and how this preseason goes in terms of his uh, status with the team. But he is back as of today. We've got Bubba writing in from the Sports Objective Podcast. He wants to know who are the top targets for ECU basketball in the upcoming recruiting cycles. Just curious with the Pirates being so young and potential limited availability depending on how much of the current roster is retained. He points out the only scholarship senior is Luigi DeBose. So, yeah, that makes it tough to project how this thing is going to work. I would say, you know, the name I've heard the most with the 2023 class is Silas Dimery who is at Liberty Liberty Heights, but will be moving, uh, I believe, with uh, the former Liberty Heights coach to another prep school. And, of course, ECU signed Ezra Asar from Liberty Heights. So you've got some familiarity there, but he's going to be a highly recruited wing. You know, you've got several big guys. Uh, Michael Nuoko from the Burlington School is another name I've heard. And, you know, he's a three-star center, 6'9", 240. Josh Short from Farmville Central. He was offered under Joe Dooley. That's his only offer to this point. He's a great athlete, probably needs to become a little bit better of a shooter. 
So those are three names in the 2023 class to look forward to. Right now, only a couple offers out to the 2024 class were Keith Passmore from Combine Academy. Tremendous athlete. He's going to be a national name, but he's an early offer. And then Kobe George from the Burlington School as well, another guard, really talented player. But so much happening with the portal, so much happening with the roster. It's really tough to say this early for a school like ECU just who are going to be the top guys. I think we'll know better later this summer, later this fall, as everything comes comes together. All right, let's continue on with the questions here. Preston has a bunch. Some of these I won't be able to answer, but we'll start with the first. Besides the indoor practice facility, what other capital campaign projects do you think will help the associated sport win and will help us be a, a force in the new American Athletic Conference? Well, I mean, of course, I think the swimming and diving thing if you're going to have swimming and diving, it needed to be updated. So I think that's a, you know, it just had to happen because it had not been up to upgraded in forever. Um, and if they want to get back to winning American titles long-term in women's swimming and diving, that's got to happen. Of course, the indoor facility, I beat it to, to death. It had to happen. One of the big missing pieces for ECU football. You know, baseball-wise, they're already a force in the American. I think if you want to become a, a more known force nationally, Better facilities gets you there for Cliff Goblin. And to take that next step to become an Omaha caliber program every year, you got to continue to add. And that left field expansion will certainly do that. Hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. You know, I've always said Minji's just needs to be updated, period. You know, I don't know if this is the best thing long term that needs to be done, but it is a step in the right direction. They got to make the place more comfortable, more fan friendly. And I think this will help. And so... I think all of them, all of them serve a good purpose and, you know, you've got to balance fundraising projects versus NIL if you're a donor, which is something that's going to be interesting to watch in the years to come. Preston also asked, have you ever been able to obtain any ESPN Plus numbers to see how ECU ranks in terms of viewership, subscriptions, all that? No. So I emailed, uh, I emailed ESPN Plus, never got a response, uh, you know, asking all that stuff. So... Um, so I, I asked about that, did not get a response. And he also asked how the future of that is expected to impact conference revenue and potential realignment. Yeah. I mean, clearly those numbers would entice another conference or the American to give ECU an advantage over other schools, but I have not been able to get that info despite my best efforts. Preston also asked what projects with the capital campaign do you feel could or are efforts to help us move up in next conference alignment. You know, I think that you just got to have the indoor practice facility for sure. That's the biggest thing. I mean, and the, the other thing too is, look, football and basketball, that's going to take you to wherever you want to go. Football and men's basketball are the money makers. That's all the conferences care about. So those are why those why, why the projects for each of those respective sports is so important. And Menji's has to get upgraded. I've always said once ECU basketball wins, if they win, then Menji's renovations, true renovations will happen. Football, we saw them start to win. Now we see the momentum with the indoor practice facility. It's got to happen. Glad it's finally happened. So those two things, along with winning in those sports, are the most important things. All right, uh, Christian Bateman, he says, how many points do we put up on NC State with this new offense, especially with C.J. Johnson back? Uh, NC State's got a damn good defense. I'm going to say 28 to 31. 
It's going to be a hot day. I think it'll be a pretty defensive game, to be honest. VCU scores 28 or 31. I think they've got a chance to win that game. But, um, yeah, I, I can't predict that. Christian, I don't know. Uh, any more on Mike Schwartz's offensive scheme? Well, we had Schwartz on the show very recently. I basically asked about it, and he gave the answer. So you can go back and listen to that. He said a lot of it's transition-based. A lot of it is multiple ball handler-based. And he kind of dove into that. So I don't have a specific scheme as far as what he's going to run, but I do know that you're going to see a lot of five out or four out on the perimeter, one guy in the paint. Not going to be a lot of big big throw the ball inside team, clearly with the roster they've assembled. So I think it's going to be more athletic spread base. We'll see how it works. It will be interesting to see if they try to be more like SMU, which under Jankovic played more five out a ton, which gave the conference fits, but conversely made it tough for them to guard some of the bigger teams on the defensive end. John Moody, he asked any out-of-conference basketball news. Herbie could be hitting the road to take on an in-state team. So, yeah, I've heard that East Carolina is looking into the possibility of playing at NC State. There's a good chance. I don't want to say good, but there's a chance that'll happen. As far as games that are going to happen, um, at Old Dominion was contracted. I think you'll see High Point come here. Maryland Eastern Shore will probably come here. Then there's going to be some sort of multi-team event, MTE, our favorite buzzword, where several teams kind of, I I think it'll be three or four teams. Basically what will happen from what I understand is two teams will come to play ECU and Minji's, and then there will be a neutral site game somewhere as part of the MTE. And so I think we'll get those teams in that location at a later date. But that is being kind of done on short notice with ECU not contracted to play in any MTE at a neutral location altogether. All right, uh, Pirate for Life says, any truth to the rumor CJ is back on the team? We addressed that earlier. He is back starting Sunday. And then Preston says, ECU partners with City of Greenville on tennis complex facility. Will they ever partner on other athletic facilities? Well, basically that's being done because the tennis facility that was on campus was quite frankly not good. It was a dump, and they needed somewhere legitimate to play, and the City of Greenville had that facility, so it just works out. And so there's got to be an upgrade in the city, and there's got to be, from a financial perspective, a reason to do it. And right now, I don't really see that. Now, I've, I've always said down the road, the city itself and the ba- or, uh, and the athletic department should come together on a basketball um, arena, a new arena that could maybe host concerts, do some different stuff downtown. But right now, that's not in the cards. I just think it's something... Um, something that needs to maybe happen down the road if you want to get a a more legitimate basketball arena to really put you towards the top half of the conference. Um, Scouts focus, he asked, does ECU baseball get a one seed by winning out and a little help? Yeah, we kind of talked about that throughout the the opening part of the show, which is what you'll hear, and the conclusion was, I do think there's a possibility, but a lot has to go right. What ECU can control is winning the conference tournament. The rest will take care of itself. All right, that'll do it for your questions. Let's take a quick break on the other side. We will come back. We'll have our port of call with Buck Wild. You're listening to the Hoisty Colors podcast. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, welcome back into the Hoist the Colors podcast. I am Stephen Igo, and we are back with our Port of Call segment. We've had several uh, posters on the Hoist of Colors message board come and join the Port of Call segment. And our next guest is Buck Wild 17 He's one of our favorite posters because he posts some interesting stuff. He's not afraid to get a little controversial. He's also not afraid to have some fun. And he's here making his Hoist of Colors podcast debut. Buck Wild, welcome into the program. Hello, Stephen. Well, uh, well, Buck, let's let's hear your your story, man. Uh, first, we'll we'll start with your name. Are you willing to, to share your name, or are you trying to stay uh, incognito? Definitely incognito, but you can call me Buck. All right, we'll call you Buck. Uh, all right. So, the meaning behind your 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 username, if any, Buck Wild Seventeen, was there any any rhyme or reason to it? Um, you know. For me, the internet is a place to it's a release. So everything's fake, and have you can do different aliases and get crazy and make stuff up, and sometimes you can slide the truth in there between it, you know. So any reason to the the number seventeen is that? So are you saying there's some some meaning to the seventeen or nothing to it? That's the year I joined. Okay. And I, be, I made it as simple as I could so I could remember it because I didn't want to screw that account up. Fair and enough. All right, how I'm did very you... bad with technology. Yeah, you just downloaded Zoom for this interview, so I appreciate that. Um, yes, sir. How did you find Hoist the Colors? Do you remember how you stumbled upon it? <clears throat> I don't remember if it was Bonesville.net or Boneyard Banner. One of the two. I just heard about it, you know, so I checked it out one time and I guess you guys were just getting started and I was like, that's cool. And then like six months later, it was, it was really something. Yes. It's crazy how it's taken off. All right. Favorite poster on, on Hoist of Colors to read. Do you have any favorites? Uh, Tarboro. Um, a lot of the mods are cool, man, you know. Pirate Treasure, 
you know, most of them are cool. Any least? Um, oh, go ahead if you got anybody else. I mean, it's a long list, and right. I can't remember names, you know, but it's it's the usuals, you know. We all know who they are. Any least favorite posters? Not really, you know. Belaner, he's he's grown up, man. He's <laughs> fun to fun to read now. He, you know, we all know what happened eventually. So now it's it's cool. So he's cool, man. Everybody's cool. We're getting along right now because we're winning. So everybody's happy, you know. Yeah, and it's the summer. Everybody's good. Everybody's going to the beach. You know, football season. It'll it'll turn itself on its head again, but. uh do you have a favorite ECU sports topic to discuss? Like, what's your favorite thing to get up there and, and kind of talk about? <clears throat> I really like the off-season strategy. You know, everybody gets into the games and the season. It's, it's just – it's kind of like one way. But the off-season, anything can happen, you know, with firings and stuff. It's so dramatic. And this with every sport. But with – I try to only really follow ECU because it's just, you know – Everything's so, bad now. So you enjoyed the uh, – obviously you didn't enjoy Joe Dooley getting fired, but you enjoy like the basketball coaching search with Mike Schwartz and then back I when – I cannot believe how well that's gone. We're so lucky to have Schwartz. He is he is fire. Yeah, you're a big Mike Schwartz guy? So far, yeah. I mean, I checked him out, his background. I, I know some coaches and, yeah, it's on and popping. So hang on tight. How did you become an ECU fan, Buckwell? <clears throat> I grew up in the Triangle, and uh, um, I was a Carolina fan. Oh wow! What happened? And my whole family was Carolina fans, so I got down to Greenville and just saw things differently. You know, for the first time. So, fell in love with the place like everybody, and had a lot of great memories. And so, it's hard to, to you know to change away from that. You know, that's uh, cerebral. You know, that kind of experience. So, do you do you still pull for Carolina at all? Or are you always do. Oh my God, no, no, no. That's. Uh, that's an endless, bottomless pit of a topic right there. <laughs> all right, favorite uh, favorite ECU athlete of all time. Who comes to mind for you? Dwayne Harris, easy call, likable guy. He blocked. I mean, he just did everything. He was so consistent. He he just carried our football so much for a while. You know, a good three years. He's just a uh, he's just a football player. That's what made him so fun. Um, favorite. All right, so we'll, we'll talk about your podcast first, and then I want to talk about if you'll go into it at all. Maybe your favorite conspiracy theory, because I feel like you you throw a lot of them out there on the board. You say you like to have some fun on the internet, but all right, your own podcast. So when I started the Hoist of Colors podcast, you started your your own podcast a, a little bit ago too. Um, so tell us about that. I believe it's called the Slap Yo Mama podcast. Well, you know, there's a lot of podcasters in the world now. And uh, there's a lot of good ones. And they follow these patterns and, you know, good practices. And I didn't do any of that because I don't care. Um, it's just another release, you know. 
and then I got distracted with the the music, and it's just it's all about that now, which is retarded. Like you don't like, podcasts aren't made that way, you know. They're way more structured. So just not having any rules is pretty awesome. <laughs> so <laughs> that is true. You can do whatever you want to on your your own podcast. Um, how many episodes have Man. you done, and, and where can people listen to it? I guess I'm supposed to know these things. Um, <laughs> I think there's like five, been five. I I recorded like about five episodes and then deleted it later just because I changed my mind a lot about things, you know. And then I recorded like one or two more episodes and got completely distracted by the, the music. And if I ever get this song recorded, it's going to be worth it, you know, the wait. It's been a fun process, and I can't wait to talk about it. And people are going to think I'm crazy, but it's been a blast. Yeah, you have to let us know when, when it debuts and everything, man. And well, I'll, tune, I'll I'll give you a plug on the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll have you back on. All right, so I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem, man. Um, all right, so you're not afraid to throw out some some conspiracy theories, some interesting threads. I'm not gonna lie; like we've probably had to alter or change like. 10 to 15 percent of your posts as his moderator teams because it, it can take us down a a wormhole but we have a lot of fun i didn't with... know that you should have <laughs> told me that man i would have been nicer no no like it, it, it honestly it's 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 entertaining and I, I enjoy it and honestly i can't read but so much on the board just because being busy with work and everything but um oh yeah oh yeah so all right you're you've been f- pretty tolerant man really i mean <laughs> all in all you've been pretty tolerant so i appreciate that no i mean i we enjoy your your uh, support, man. Like it, like anybody, it means the world. And hey, if we can let Ori post as much as he wants, and he did get a one day ban recently, he hasn't returned since that. So I guess we hurt his feelings, but um, he has not been back since. So we'll, we'll let a lot go. You got to really cross the line to to get banned from HTC. Yeah, man. Thank you. Um. <laughs> all right. So, do you have a favorite conspiracy theory or just like crazy topic to look into? Um, and I'll, I'll stay out of this as far as like giving my opinion on it, but you know, on the internet, you say you like to go down some, some crazy paths and again, you can do whatever you want in, in there. Now, any crazy things stick out to you? Oh my God, there's a bazillion. Um, I mean, just to cast a wide net, you know, like just, just studying the self and the, the role of the self and all those rules, you know, in the universe and, um, Everything else is based off of that, you know. The universe is holographic. I mean, we know that. It's, it's a holographic mind. So if you use those rules and you, that's your test for everything, you know, you build off of that. And you live on principle and, you know, good things. I feel like I could go like Joe Rogan right now and really dive into what you said, but I'm going to. I'm gonna try to. Uh, I'm gonna try to get back on topic. I just was curious where you would take it. Uh, all right, so we have some time. So, any um, are, are you a big ECU baseball fan? You following this baseball team right now at all? Yeah, it's addictive, man. That's the the most amazing drama I've ever watched. So you're watching all the games. Uh, I listen a lot. Um, nice. I watch sometimes. I mean, I like watching, but you know, you have a you have a kid too. You know. Oh yeah, it's crazy. 
yeah, I'm uh, I'm lucky to to be able to do it as my job, so then I can actually watch it. But if if I had to stay home and try to watch a baseball game, like I try to watch the Seattle Mariners, my favorite MLB team, and it's just I'm chasing Slater all around the house, so I can't, you know, I can't really watch anything. But um, you think you think this is the year the Pirates make it to Omaha? What do you think about that? Man, there's some specialness there. I mean, Agnos is special, Hoover special, JJC special, Oral special. You know, New- Newton is like becoming special. It's just. It's really, it's pretty, pretty fun to watch, man. Do you? Uh, they, have of, they have a lot of grit, and they get—they're not just blowing teams out. You know, they're really fighting, and that's—you don't see that a lot in society anymore. I mean, it's—it's it's very fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how much adversity they faced early in the year and have come back to, uh, to what they to accomplish what they've done. All right, Buckwild, we'll, we'll end it on this. I've asked a lot of our our members that have joined the Porter Call segment, you know, what's a fair expectation for this football season this fall? ECU goes 7-5 and five last year. They got a lot coming back, some question marks. Like, as a fan, what are you what are you hoping for? What are you expecting? What do you think is fair for this fall for, for Mike Houston? Well, I, would, I wouldn't put a number on it because there's just too many variables, obviously. Uh-oh. The general idea of eight and four, you know, is a step up, you know, from our inconsistency, you know. So let's just say eight wins, you know, that would be pretty good. Right. Like you said, a lot of variables, injuries, opponents being better or worse than you think. So, right. I think, you know, I have them at eight and four, but. I could see six and six. I could see ten and two. I mean, there's just a lot that could or yeah. could not happen. So, but hey, that's what we get paid yeah. to, to talk about, and that's what makes it fun. Well, Buck Wild, Buck. We don't know your real name, but we do know that you're a uh, member of HTC, a loyal supporter. So this has been fun. I appreciate you uh, you hopping on the Hoist of College podcast. All right, man. I really appreciate it. Um, go Pirates. That is Buck Wild. Check out his podcast, the Slap Your Mama podcast. Uh, I'm sure if you Google it or, or search it on some podcast engine, it'll pop up. But enjoyed having him on the show. And that'll do it for the Hoist of Colors podcast. We'll be back with you later this week and talk to you then. See you guys.
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. 